want to welcome everyone that's watching online with us, those that are watching on ho at home. We're so glad that you've joined us on this glorious 4th of July. We celebrate the freedom of this nation and our independence. It's a wonderful, wonderful day. You know, a tradition of the 4th of July is to shoot off fireworks on the 4th of July. There's people in Palm Harbor that's been shooting off fireworks this entire week. So if you live in Palm Harbor, come on, give a pastor a break. I like to go to bed and sleep. But we're so glad that you're here. Those that pledged last week, if you want to look in the uh, weekend guide, you can see that we are up to $660,000 in our pledges towards our $800,000 goal. If you haven't pledged yet and you would like to, you, they're in your um, seat backs, and we would love to include you with that. You know, there's been a tragedy that America's been dealing with, and I just want to take a moment so that we can pray for the families and those that are affected in Miami with the collapse of that condo. There's a lot of families that have been impacted and is grieving a nation right now. We're believing for a miracle for those that are still buried there. We're praying for a miracle in the families as they process this, but but this is a time for our nation to come together and lift up those in need. Can you say amen to that? Let's pray. Father, we just lift up this entire situation to you. These are your children. These are your people. I pray, God, that only you and your arms of comfort and peace can wrap your arms around this families, those that are grieving, those that are in shock. Father, that you would somehow show up in the middle of all of that and bring people closer to you. We just lift up everyone involved and those that have been impacted now in Jesus' name, amen. Do you want to let you know that we moved the bouncies from outside to inside the student center, so be sure after you get your bomb pop, I don't know about you, that was an 80s popsicle that just doesn't give up, doesn't go away, the 80s bomb pop. Grab that, take your kids over next door because we're going to have a great time with them as we celebrate the 4th. Right now, we're in a series called Through the Times. In this series, what we're doing is we're looking at different decades. This week, we're talking about the 80s and the 90s, and we're looking how the culture changes, and there are happenings and things that have happened in America that affected our nation in a great way. But no matter what happens in our culture, God never changes. His word always stays the same. We see even now, as we're in 2021, there's a lot of churches that are trying to alter the message of the word. Listen, this word is never to be altered so that it pleases our culture. This word is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So will our methods change? Our methods will change, but the word of God stands on its own. It will never be altered and it will never change according to what this culture tries to bring. Can you say amen to that? Isaiah chapter 40. This has been our theme verse throughout this series. Isaiah 40 verse 8, it says, The grass withers, the flowers fades, but the word of God will stand forever. It will never change. It will stand forever. This week, as I said, we're talking about the 80s and 90s. I want to bring up the picture of our car that's in the front this week. If you want to get a photo opportunity, there we go. We have the back in time. 
The DeLorean from Back to the Future is out there. So make sure you take time to get a picture with your friends, post it on social media. But I wanted to just think about the 80s this week. And for me, growing up in the 80s, that was like my prime time. And the thing that impacted me, probably one of the biggest things in that culture was the music. The music. I'm seeing all these 80s people like, whew. It just, and I thought, you know, I'm going to bring my Walkman this week. <laughs> and I thought, let me just capsulate with just a few songs as I surf my Walkman. Let's start with the first one. Oh, what a music video that was. Oh, come on. Come on. I know you didn't think I could hit that note. Oh, yeah. I could hit that note. But there, there's other songs that just make you think of the 80s. Wake me up before you now, when that music video came out, I went out right away and I bought my Choose Life shirt. I wore that for like every week for years. Choose Life. Wham. Wake me up before you go-go. But then this young looking guy came out. But he had this big, mature voice. He looked like he was 10 years old. But man, could this guy dance when he came out with this song. You remember that? Rick Astley. Come on, that was, that was. And then the 90s came, and things started to change. I wasn't thrilled about it. But the birth of the boy bands. Now, it's, it's strange in church that you announce the boy bands and then someone on staff screams, ah! So pray for me. I'm, I'm really trying to lead this next generation well. I'm trying. I wasn't happy about all the boy bands, but let me tell you, there's nothing like a power ballad that does your heart right. And then she came out with the ultimate power ballad. Come on. Hey, husbands, look at your wife. Tell me you love her. Let me tell you, I did a lot of hand-holding during that song. Sometimes I get a little smooch at the end of it. Hey, whatever works, right, guys? But there were a lot of personal events that happened in the 80s for me. I was an introverted kid through the 70s. You know my story. But I went and I found... At Countryside High School in 1980, I joined the band, and it changed my life. It was such a great culture that I was able to join in. Yes, I was a band geek. It's hard to believe. I know. I know. It's hard to believe. But I brought a picture just to prove it. Now, <laughs> why are you laughing like that? Now, I had to get one because the classic pictures in the 80s had the big head and then the picture in the middle of it. So I wanted to make sure I had that. But let me tell you, look, when I give you my band stories, those stories are real. All right. And then as the 80s went on, bring up the next picture. Oh, I don't know how that got in there. Take that out. 
How about the lightning, guys? Come on. Oh, yeah, we got to be a little bit relevant today as well. But then I graduated high school in 1983, and here's my yearbook picture to prove it. Oh, yeah. I know. I know. I know. Listen, I know it's hard to believe. I didn't have a date until my prom of my senior year. I know, it's shocking. It's shocking. But when I pulled that up, I thought, well, it does kind of make sense now. <clears throat> it was that senior year I had my first kiss. Now, I've never shared this publicly, how this even happened. So I'm on my prom date, and the music was really loud, and my prom date says, let's just go outside for a couple minutes around the fountain. The music's loud, it's blaring. And as we're walking, I'm holding hands, I'm like, <sighs> holding hands with a girl, I can't believe this. And then she goes like this. Now, if you see me at the front door, sometimes because I'm so tall, I can't hear everyone. And so times people will talk, and I'll, I'll bend over so that I can hear the person talk. So she looked at me and she went, and I went to bend over to hear, and she laid it on me. I felt a little bit shocked, somewhat violated, and somewhat happy at the same time. But as we move on with today's message, there are some key things that we can learn about God's Word and the truth of His Word, because even through times of change, God never does. It was a bitter cold but sparkling clear morning at Cape Canaveral. Here, the last seconds of the countdown. Four, three, two, one, and liftoff. Liftoff of the 25th Space Shuttle Mission, and it has cleared the tower. All the communications between the shuttle and mission control indicated everything was going fine. There was a sense of relief that the much-delayed flight was finally underway. Engines at 65%, three engines uh, running normally, three good fuel cells, three good APUs. Engines throttling up, three engines now at 104%. Challenger, go and throttle up. Challenger, go and throttle up. It happened just over one minute into flight. So here we were as a nation with such elation. We were so excited. We're moving into the future. It was this that Krista McCullough was going to be on board. She was a school teacher. We're celebrating as a nation and we're so excited. And then, boom, tragedy hits our nation. That's how the world is. I want you to know that. Have you ever had that? You're like on a high with so many good things in your life, and then something hits you. Maybe it's a tragedy. Maybe it's a disappointment. Maybe it's something that you never expected, and it hits you, and it brings you to your knees. We look at what happened in Miami with the collapse of, of the condo. Shocking. People were ready to celebrate the next day. They were excited about what their future held, and then tragedy hit. But see, this is nothing new. Tragedy has hit every generation. All the way through the Bible, we see tragedy. We see things that happen. And what is the message that Jesus always gives in the midst of tragedy? It doesn't change. We see in Luke chapter 13, starting in verse 1. It says, Now there were some present at the time who told Jesus about the Galileans, whose blood Pilate had mixed with their sacrifices. 
Jesus answered, Do you think these Galileans were worse sinners than the other Galileans because they suffered this way? I tell you, no. Unless you repent, you will all perish. Or those 18 who died when the tower in Siloam fell on them. Do you think they were more guilty than the others who were living in Jerusalem? I tell you, no. But unless you repent, you too will perish. So Christ was always looking at eternity. So often we look at such temporal things as people. And we look at tragedies in our life. None of us are promised tomorrow. Every day that you wake up is a gift from God. Every breath that you breathe is a gift from God. But I want to tell you this, as a church and as the body of Christ, no matter what's happening around us, our eyes have to be fixed on Jesus and eternity. Because in your notes, if you believe Jesus is coming back, then live like he's coming back today. If you really believe that Jesus is coming back, then live your lives with purpose. Live your life with your eyes on eternity and what's ahead because no matter what tragedies we may face, all of us are going to stand before Jesus face to face one day to give account to our lives. So if you really believe that Jesus is coming back, if you really believe that one day we are all going to die, it's appointed to one man to die, whether that's 10 years, 50 years, 100 years on this earth, it's oh, but a vapor. So many get, people get caught up in the 75 years here on earth that they lose sight of eternity. Now think about eternity. A million times a billion times a trillion times a quadrillion. That's just day one in eternity of years. To really focus on what's ahead. If we really believe it, then it'll change our priorities. It'll change our focus. It'll change our prayer lives. It'll change what we talk about maybe at work around people that only are going to hear the message from you. You see, when we really truly believe that God is coming back and we really truly believe that one day we're going to stand before the Lord, it's going to affect every area of our life to be Jesus Christ at the top priority. Can you say amen? So in the 1980s, there was a world that was divided between the communist world and the Iron Curtain and the free world. The dividing point was a wall that was built in 1961 in Berlin, Germany. To the west of the wall, the city was free. To the east of the wall, it was communist. The wall was built by the communists to keep people from fleeing their communist rule. Ronald Reagan made a quote and he said, if we ever forget that we're a nation, that we are one nation under God, then we will be a nation gone under. So important that we realize the importance of keeping God at the center of this great nation. Our founding fathers laid the very core of who we are when they laid the roots of Christianity as the foundation of our country. You see, Ronald Reagan, one of his priorities was to see the wall come down so that the communist world could become free. In 1989, this is what happened. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall.
This was a big deal. People that never saw freedom were able to see and experience freedom. But you see, before Christ came, there was a barrier that all believers had where they didn't have direct access to God. It was called the veil. The veil was three feet wide, and it was separating the, whole, the, the most high priest from going into the Holy of Holies, where the Ark of the Covenant was, where once a year he would go into this area, he would give a blood sacrifice from an animal, and he would ask for forgiveness of sins for all the people that he was overseeing, and he would pray for all the different things that he was praying for. Imagine... There was a wall, a barrier from the freedom of knowing Christ and having him right in front of us so that we could seek God individually. Some historians believe that it was such a serious thing that the high priests, they had to go through these different rituals, and in order to get that done, it was a very dangerous thing because if they didn't do it right, they could actually lose their life. Some historians believe that they tied a rope to the leg of the priest in case he died while he was in the Holy of Holies. So when we say that we have direct access to God, that's something that Jesus brought to us when he gave his life on the cross for you and for me. Matthew 27, starting verse 50, it says, And when Jesus had cried out in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. And at that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook. The rocks split. When the centurion and those with him who were guarding Jesus saw the earthquake and all that had happened, they were surely terrified and exclaimed, surely he was the son of God. But now we can enter into the Holy of Holies ourselves. This changed everything when Jesus Christ gave his life for you and me and the veil was torn so that we could go to Christ every single day and seek God between us and him. It's an individual relationship and there's no wall that's there anymore. Ephesians chapter 2 explains this, what it means for us in our lives. Ephesians 2, starting in verse 12. It says, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluding the citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promises, without hope and without God in the world. But now, everyone say, but now. This is for us, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. In your notes, Jesus gave us direct access to the Father. You see, the enemy wants to try to bring confusion to this area of your life, to feel like you really don't matter to God, that what you say really doesn't matter to him. I'm here to tell you that God cares individually about the time that you spend with him, about the prayers that you're praying. He cares, and your prayers matter. You don't have to go through a high priest that's risking his life to shed an altar sacrifice. Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, the perfect Lamb of God, gave the ultimate sacrifice on the cross so that we would have life and direct access to our God and our Father. So how does this affect our lives? It should affect your confidence to know that your prayers matter, 
to know that your prayers are being heard. It should affect the way that you feel and carry the peace of God in your life. You see, we get hit all direction with all these things causing anxiety and fear, but to know that God hears our every cry. He's right there to be with us and then to encourage us and to understand that there is power in our prayers. We're not just going through a ritual when we get up in the morning to pray. There is powerful things that are happening in the spiritual realm when we go boldly before the throne of God with direct access to the throne room. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. It says, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence. With confidence. We're not praying with, God, if you're there. God, if you can hear me. I wish this. God's not a genie. We're not wishing for anything. We're praying with confidence, knowing that God hears us, that God's there for us, and that God cares, and his perfect will is going to be done in our life. We go with grace and confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Think about your greatest time of need. Think about it. God was there for you. He was beside you. See, so many people, they feel like when they're in their greatest time of need, they're all alone. Maybe right now you're in the greatest time of need to know God's with you. I want you to know and have confidence and peace. God, God himself is with you. His arms are wrapped around you. He's going to carry you. Let me tell you, God is so great and so powerful, and we lose sight of the goodness and the greatness of our God when we allow ourselves to feel like we're all alone. You are not alone. You're watching at home, you're not alone. You may feel like you're alone, but God's with you and you have direct access to the throne of God because of Jesus Christ. So speaking of direct access, I can remember in the 80s and the 90s, things started rapidly changing with technology. When I was in high school, I had to actually go to the library. Do you remember, does anybody remember what a library is? I think they could be in a museum now. I actually had, when I was writing papers, I had to look up things like in encyclopedias, and I had to study actual books. But, and then when I would write the paper, it wasn't on a computer. I used a typewriter. You remember, remember that? Anybody remember a typewriter? I went through typing three. I started out typing one, I'm doing 40 words a minute. Typing two, 60 words a minute. Typing three, 50 words a minute. I don't know what happened, I went backwards. But in the 90s, everything changed, all of that. Many people are often run off the information superhighway when trying to understand terms like cyberspace, email, and the internet. But with the right help, it's easy to get back on. For example, the internet is actually the first information superhighway. 
the internet is, is a collection of, uh, of computers around the United States and around the world. Uh, there are educational institutions, business institutions, uh, commercial institutions. Um, and, and in fact, what the internet allows us to do is to link all of those computers together. Now that wasn't so bad, was it? The internet has come on strong the last four years or so. The nice thing about the internet is its simplicity. You don't need a computer science degree to use it. So for instance, Eau Claire North, uh, Altoona, both of those, those schools, I believe they have uh, connections to the internet. Even some smaller schools, uh, there's a district up in, in Webster that is uh, connected to the internet. Before you run out and buy a computer, realize it takes a subscription to access the internet but it is a valuable tool. Everything changed when the internet came. Whoa. I can remember when it first came on, you remember you go, doing, 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 doing. took like five minutes for it to connect to the internet. And we're like, what is this? And then Google comes out and you can ask any questions. I'm asking questions all day long to Google because I, I love having information and I don't like going to the library to find it. I like just typing it into my phone and getting the answer. Biblical questions, I either ask Pastor Tim or I go to a reliable source on the internet. You know, that's what I do. So we have access to such information constantly. But the most important thing that we have access that is the ultimate information source for us as believers is God's word. So no matter how much computer technology changes, we got to know that God's word has the answer to everything that we may be going through. You're going through a time of tragedy, there's an answer. You're going through a time of loss, there's an answer. You're having troubles in your marriage, there's an answer. How do you raise your kids? There's the answer. How do you treat your spouse? There's the answer. It's all in God's word. And it was breathed by God himself to give us what we needed in this life. Culture changes. The internet had brought change, but it doesn't change God's word. 2 Timothy chapter 3, starting in verse 16. It says, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for, useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. We communicate with God through our prayer. He communicates with us through his word. In your notes, the Bible brings much more life to us than the internet ever will. His word brings life into our hearts. People are seeking what's on the internet instead of seeking what God's saying about their life and their individual focus. And from the very beginning of Countryside Christian Church, in 1980, when it was begun in a living room, to 1981, where it was established at the Kapok Tree Inn, from the very beginning, our pastor came in, our founding pastor, John Lloyd, and he set the foundation strong on prayer and the Word of God. And it was preached boldly, and thousands upon thousands of people were saved because of the church being foundationally equipped for such a time as this. In 1980, Pastor John Lloyd responded to God's sovereign call to leave his ministry in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Stepping out in faith to move to Clearwater, Florida, Pastor John founded a church in the living room of Paul and Ellen Eckley in 1981, calling it Countryside Christian Center. 
I thought, well, you know, we've got to start somewhere. And we started with about five people, and we grew about 50 people in their living room. Caused a little problem with the cul-de-sac, with the cars parked everywhere on Sundays. In 1982, Countryside found a new home at the K-pop tree on McMullen Booth Road. With more room here for expansion, the church grew to 200. Then, the Lord led Countryside to the 12th floor of the 1100 building in downtown Clearwater. I didn't know, you know, how many kids were going to come when there was no signage out front and there were three elevators, and I just didn't know how that was gonna work. And then, as surely as can be, the Lord spoke to me and said, what happened when I was in the wilderness? And I said, well, multitudes came. He said, wherever I am, people will come. The church remained here for the next four years where it grew to 800 people. In 1986, it was time to move again. The congregation purchased 12 acres of farmland and began construction on the very first building. And so I looked at it and we ended up uh, purchasing half of it. We couldn't afford all of it. And we built a church there and seated 1,300 people. And that's amazing because it was a two-lane road that was just on the edge of town. And it became like a six-lane highway. And we were right on the main road. Only three years after this, the church would purchase an additional 12 acres for a much-needed education building. This would be used for classes, student and kids' ministries, a fellowship hall, and a Christian training center. Over the next 14 years, Countryside would double in size and see thousands of lives changed with the gospel of Jesus Christ, both locally and internationally. Isn't that cool, just to look back and see what God has done? I was able to be a part of that. And let me tell you, I had never experienced a move of God ever in my life like the move of God that happened at Countryside in the 80s and the 90s. It was during this time that we became one of the fastest growing churches in America. In the mid-90s, we became one of the largest top 100 churches in America. But it wasn't based on a man. It was based on God's word, and it was founded on prayer. It's so important that we understand the foundation of this church is not a cultural church. It's a church that wants to live according to God's word always, that may change it. Let me tell you, the methods have changed over the years. You know, back in the 80s, we had every week almost, we had rock bands that would come in. That was really big. It was really popular. It was really happening then. But our methods change now. We see it. We see what's happening with our young people. You know, tomorrow, pray for me especially, this will be my 36th straight camp that I've gone to. 36 years. I know it's hard to believe. They let me go when I was three years old, which is amazing. They let me do that. But 36 years. But why I go? Because it's so exciting. This year, we're going to have our largest group by far. There will be over 300 of us going to camp. 300 of us. It's different saying it out loud. 300 of us. 36 years. It's going to be a great camp. But see, this church has always believed in the next generation. We've always poured into the next generation. We've always raised up leaders in the next generation. We've always believed in baptism, seeing people saved. Why do we have an altar call every service? 
because it was from the very foundation of the church. Even in the living room, Pastor Lloyd had an altar call. We're like, there's, there's 12 of us here. We're all saved. We're having an altar call. And there were times I'm like, you know, I'm not sure if I'm saved or not. But it's so important that we see the lost come into the kingdom of God. We have to focus because Jesus left the 99 to get the one. He always had a focus on the lost and to go and to give them what the life and the true life is through Jesus Christ. That's the church we've been. That's the church we are. And countryside, get ready. Because this next generation is going to be the greatest generation our church has ever seen. We're seeing it. We're seeing it happen. We've never had an expansion to another city. This is the year that God's put it in us and given us a campus so that we can move into Tampa. See, God's always moving, and the church of God is an organism that's moving. So if you're not in the life of this church, I invite you, come on, be a part of what God's doing. Begin to seek the face of God like you never sought the face of God. Allow your gifts to be used to further the kingdom of God, because countryside, the enemy's going to try to rob us. But we're going to continue to pray, seek the face of God, put the enemy under our feet where he belongs, and go with boldness and confidence into all that God has for us now and in our future in Jesus' name. Can you say amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word. It never changes. And today we stand strong and firm on the word of God. No matter what the rumors are around us, no matter what's happening globally, we can stand on who you are, our God who is faithful and good. So today, we celebrate the freedom of this great nation. We celebrate. We're so grateful for that. We don't want to ever forget the freedom that we share, religious freedom. There are places in the world that have to sneak around to go to church. Here we are in America seeking your face openly and freely. And we thank you for that. So Lord, today, let your peace rest upon every person in this room. Let the joy of the Lord fill our hearts. And let the peace that passes understanding rest on each and every one of us. With every head bowed, every eye closed. This is a joy to do this every week. It's happened for nearly 40 years. To give an opportunity for those that may not have that intimate, loving relationship with God. There may be those that don't understand the direct access that you have through your relationship with Jesus Christ to God by simply accepting the free gift of salvation, by admitting that you're a sinner, asking for forgiveness of your sin, and receiving Christ as your Lord and your Savior. When that happens, everything changes because no longer are you living this life by yourself, feeling that you're alone, but you're walking hand in hand with God Almighty, with Jesus Christ as your Savior. If you'd like to invite Christ into your life today, when I count to three, just raise your hand. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you out. But let me tell you, the Bible says that today is the day of salvation. The angels will rejoice in heaven when one person comes into the kingdom of God. Will that be you today? One, two, Three. Will you raise your hand if that's you? Thank you, thank you, thank you. I see your hand in yours. Coming over to the center on this side. Just raise it up high if that's you. Yes, thank you, thank you, thank you. Can we pray for the sake of all those that raise their hands today? Lord Jesus, I thank you 
for what you did for me on the cross. The veil has been torn and we now have direct access to God. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart. Today, I accept you, Lord Jesus, as my Savior, my Lord, my God, and my very best friend. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, church. I love you so much. You're a wonderful congregation. I'm appreciative of you. Amen. What a beautiful message, the 80s, before my time. Though, if you would like to stand up, please, to receive a blessing from the Lord. I'm kidding. That was not before my time. And if the prayer team would please come to the front. I want to invite you that if you raised your hand and prayed that prayer for the first time, please come to see one of these prayer team members that we have up front because we have a gift for you. It's a book called A Fresh Start with God. We just want to give this to you so that you can begin your journey with Jesus. And to receive your blessing now, if you would just turn your palms upwards in an attitude of receiving. If you're watching online, feel free to do the same. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you, be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Happy 4th of July. Don't forget your bomb pop.